Hi, and welcome to Femme's Finance Podcast. I'm your host, Asiel, and this podcast aims to support, educate, and empower women to achieve career success and financial freedom. In each episode, Femme's Finance talks with successful women leaders, founders, and investors to inspire you in your journey to financial freedom. Check out the show notes, links, and resources on our page, femisfinance.life. Welcome to today's episode of Femis Finance Podcast. I'm your host, Asil Altaeva, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by Tanea Clark, who is the founder of a tech startup based in South Korea. As a leading figure in South Korean startup scene, Tanea has a wealth of knowledge and experience to share with us. In today's conversation, we'll be diving into the exciting world of startups with a focus on South Korea. We'll learn about the challenges as well as opportunities that come with opening a startup in this vibrant community and explore the funding options available for aspiring founders. So without further ado, let's get started. Tanea, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. How are you? Hello, I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on. Nice. I'm so happy to see you today. So now before we start delving deep into the world of technology and startups, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your background in the tech industry? Yeah, so I'm from Los Angeles and I've actually been in and out of Korea since 2012. So 11 years now. First time was in 2012 on a scholarship that I went to Korea. Came back in 2014 to study six months at Yonsei University. Came back in 2017 on a working holiday visa. Thought I'd be here only for a year. And now it's almost six years later. And I am the founder of a tech startup here in Gangnam called Ju Shindaya. That's actually my uh, Korean name. So yeah, it's a uh, I would have never thought I had been at this point when I first came in 2017 or when I finally came back in 2017. Yeah, thanks for sharing your background with us, Tanea. It sounds like you have a wealth of experience in the startup industry. Can you tell us a bit more about your current startup project? What is the main idea behind it? And what kind of problem are you trying to solve with your products or service? Yeah, so... I came in with a flashcard-based language learning app, so pretty much for lazy students exactly like me, ones that just don't have the motivation to learn a language, but you absolutely have to, especially when you relocate to a new country. So pretty much the premise is you take a picture of a bilingual word list, the app automatically sorts it into flashcards for you, and then from there it would be very intuitive to add in sample sentences, images, get feedback from the community. And while pursuing that, I also got into content creation and business consulting because a lot of people asked me how I did it. And then uh, next thing you know, I my business consultancy grew way more than the tech company did. That sounds very interesting. Wow. Okay. So I have a very interesting question. Can you describe the process of opening your startup in Korea? What are some of the biggest challenges you faced on your way? Honestly, the Korean government has so much support that pretty much the only challenge is trying to get through all of that Korean paperwork. 
But if you're lucky enough to have Korean co-partners, they can guide you through that all the way. Or you can actually go in person to one of the global centers. They're what they're called. They're government support centers here for foreigners. And they can help you with translation work as well. But the startup program I went to is called Oasis. And that gives you free business courses that give you points towards the business visa. And once you have all the required points, you're free to start a business and have at it. Can you share some of the key success factors and challenges that you faced in establishing your startup in the Korean ecosystem? So some of the key successes is networking. You might have heard the phrase, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And that's never truer than here in South Korea. So um, actually, I was able to find my business partner on HelloTalk. If you're familiar with that app, it's a, another language learning app. I told him about my idea. He's in the software space. And he said, oh, yes, I would actually like to come on board with you. And so he was just such a huge help, especially when it came to all of the Korean paperwork needed to start a business. And also through networking, especially within the foreign startup community that's how we get to pass opportunities along to each other ways to save money ways to get funding so those were the key successes for me was definitely having a strong business network and key pitfalls would be not keeping track of my business from the start because when I first started, I was just thinking, oh, okay, I got a client here, a client there, money here, money there. But I wasn't careful to keep track of who the client was, the date of the purchase, what payment method did they go through. I wasn't checking my monthly revenues against, you know, what's coming in, what's going out. I was just kind of so excited about getting business and working with different people that I was very lax on the administrative part. So if I could do it again, I would say, get yourself a nice Excel spreadsheet from the start, have all the co columns of who, what, when, where, how, why. That way it's easier for you to visualize the data coming from your business and then once you have the data, then you can strategize saying, okay, this month was well. Let's see what we did this month that went well. This was a really horrible month. What was going on? Was it us? Was the economy? And then it's so much easier to strategize versus if you're just going with the flow. Yeah, that's such a great advice. And keeping track of money is so crucial for startup success and you know, understanding financial management and having a prior strategies are so crucial. And I'm glad that you are giving such an important advice to our young woman today. Now, can you tell us more about the funding landscape for startups in South Korea? Is it challenging to find potential investors and business partners? And what kind of government or private grants are available for startup projects in the country? All right. So number one, you will need, like I said, a Korean business partner who is going to have your back because you will need to have everything translated into Korean. And of course, when it comes to business and money, you don't want to have awkward language mistakes because then that might spook the investors. So there are a lot of startup accelerators and incubation programs here in Korea. 
Um, there is a program called K Startup Challenge. That's like a pitch competition where if you and your team are successful and you place, then they go ahead and give you office space. They give you seed money. You can um, get started on the business visa. There's also, um, I'll just list off a couple more. There's Future Play, Spark Labs, Born to Global, WeWork Labs. There's N15 Hardware Accelerator, Lote Accelerator. So there actually are quite a few pitch competitions that you can apply for and then just kind of to get your name out there. So there are some, and they're range from all scales. There's, um, let's see, it's called Big Think, which is one through the OASIS program that offers OASIS six points. Maybe I can explain that later in the podcast, but those are required points that you need towards getting the OASIS business visa. And this is a pitch competition exclusively for those in the OASIS program. So less competition, but also the seed money is going to be smaller, say about between one and five million won, which is about between one and five thousand US dollars. And then as you enter bigger pitch competitions, then that's when the prize money can get bigger from, you know, 10, 30, 50,000 won and up or 50 million one and up which would be about fifty thousand dollars yes it's so great to hear that there's so many great accelerator programs available in south korea that provide a lot of opportunities for startups to grow and succeed and i'm very happy to hear that now looking back in your journey as a founder is there anything you would have done differently in your startup journey or or any lessons you've learned along the way that you'd like to share with our listeners? Uh, one thing that I would probably do differently is create a better schedule for myself. Because the hardest part about being your own boss is that you have to be your own boss. When you work in an office, you're surrounded by other people in the in the cubicle next to you. They're also working. You can't be on your phone because the boss is going to come by. You're in a work environment. So of course you're in the work mode, but when you are a startup founder, especially in the beginning stages, you might be working from your home, which is a very comfortable environment. You might want to go sneak on YouTube or TikTok, but you can't do that because time that you're spending over there is time that you're not spending towards your business. So you need to pretty much make a schedule for yourself in a, a in like the same way that working at a corporation would schedule your time. So if you got to be at the office by 8 a.m., all right, you need to tell yourself that you're going to be at your computer at 8 a.m. Schedule in your breaks, schedule in your lunch, and focus and dedicate that time to your business as if you were working for someone else. Because why give that energy to another person to make them richer when you can give this energy to yourself and invest in who you can become? Easier said than done, though. This takes a lot of discipline, a lot of motivation, and you need to have a very strong why, or else it's going to become easy for you to fall off the path and become discouraged. And another way that you can fix this is by surrounding yourself by other entrepreneurs. There are um, actually quite a few startup campuses in Seoul. For example, in Gangnam, there's the Google Startup Campus. 
where you just apply, they give you a badge, and then you can go work in their co-working spaces. So you can network with your fellow entrepreneurs and say, hey, would you guys like to get together and we can all sit down and work on our projects collectively to keep ourselves accountable? Because if you struggle doing the motivation yourself, having an accountability partner can really save you. It's kind of like when you go to the gym and you need a gym buddy, somebody to kick you and say, come on, we're going to the gym today. It's kind of like that. So you need to get yourself in the correct environment where, okay, here I am to work. And then if you can also have accountability partners that can inspire you and you can motivate each other, that is what's going to save you, especially in the beginning stages where it can be discouraging because you're getting a lot of no's and you're trying to build up and you have to just keep the faith and have consistency. Number one is that you need consistency. Mm, I, yes, that's true. You know, starting a business is quite a risky venture and the failure rate is quite high too. You know, a lot of startups start quite ambitious and very promising, but According to statistics, about 90% of those startups fail and 10% of those startups fail within the first year. So it is important for founders to understand exactly what are the challenges and be prepared to navigate them, right? So my next question for you is, how can founders avoid failures in their startups and what steps should they take if they fail, if their startup doesn't succeed? Okay, my advice to you would be to come with a solid plan. If you plan to be in that country for six months, one year, five years, you need to have goals for each of those milestones. So for me, I've been here for five and a half going on six years. So if I could have done it differently, I would have come in and said, okay, in five years, I want to see myself here and then pretty much reverse engineer it. So five-year mark, okay, that means at the four-year mark, I should be here, three to one-year mark, I should be here, and then dividing that into monthly goals. So here I should have this in sales, here I should be marketing in this way, for example, all right, I'm going to market with three TikToks a day, one YouTube post a day, one Instagram reel a day, and break that down Yes, into daily goals, like how I just said. And you need to revisit this weekly. So maybe you need to have one of those stick-on calendars that goes above your bed. And then each night before you go to sleep, you're looking at this. And then you say, okay, it's Sunday. Let me check in to see what my weekly goals are. And here's when you really want to see, especially pay attention to your revenue and to your expenses. Because honestly, the recession snuck up on me. <laughs> Business was going great before the recession happened. There were so many people reaching out who wanted to work with me. I got so overloaded. I thought maybe just having an editor isn't enough. Maybe I need to get an assistant on board was how booming business was going. But then slowly as inflation and, you know, Russia, Ukraine and things started tipping, that's where I started seeing my clients were trickling down. And then when you're, try when you're losing clients you still have the same amount of expenses. So you also need to have a plan for that. If a recession happens, if you lose your clients, how much of a nest egg do you have saved up? Like what do your savings look like? 
and let's and you also need to have a stop loss plan so for example let's say if you get down to the last 30 percent of your savings you need to know that if you ever get to that point that means you need to stop rethink and pivot your strategy and one piece of advice i would say is don't feel bad if you fail a business because I think something like 90% of businesses fail within their first three years. Do not take it too hard if your first or even second business fails because you learn so much more by failing than you do by winning. So have a plan for when times are good, for example, where you wanna be in six months, one year, three years, five years. Also have a plan for when times are bad, if there's a recession, if you lose your clients. And also, and this might take a lot of time management, but while you are building your business, also make sure that you're building skills alongside that. So you can take online certificate courses. Um, if your listeners are coming from countries that have libraries that offer free certification courses, that's something they could do. For example, um, me in the United States, our library systems, usually they have uh, LinkedIn learning and like these different online courses that you can take. So while you are building your business, make sure that you take maybe half an hour or an hour a day to take these certificate courses, not only to increase your own skill set, but as I said, if your business does end up failing, at least you have one, the experience from that company, and two, you've also were building up certificates along the way. So if you do need to go back to your home country and regroup, at least now you have the experience plus your certificates to jump back into the career field. Or if you want to stay in Korea, for example, Okay, your business is done, but now you can use that experience and certificates and qualify to work at another company, learn skills there while you regroup, and then try your hand on entrepreneurship again. So you're pretty much having contingency plans. You need to have your plan A, your plan C, and your plan C for when it's going good, for when it's going bad, and what your next step will be if your business might fail. Yes, that's a that's a great point. I totally agree with you. From my perspective, most startups fail because the founding members don't have specific set of skills like financial management, project management, or marketing that enable them to succeed or enables them to survive during those difficult times. I would like to know your opinion. Can you share with us your thoughts on what skills are essential, like 100% necessary for all the founders and entrepreneurs to have, regardless of the industries or market they are operating in? I would say number one would be marketing, because you can't find clients if the clients don't know you exist. So number one, having marketing, whether you take marketing certificate yourself, or for a lot of our younger viewers, they already know TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, just um, there's so much free information on these platforms as well. So you can go on there and also market your business. You can also bring on marketing interns. 
And then they, especially college students, and then they can build experience, put down on their resume, and then you can use that time to focus more on other aspects of your business, such as accounting. Accounting is also something else I recommend business learners understand, because yes, you can have an accountant, but your accountant might only strictly be looking at the taxes you might owe. They might not step in to tell you, hey, we noticed that your income isn't matching your expenses, especially if that's not what you're paying them for, or if that's not their business, they're just there to make sure you're not um, having any type of tax liabilities. So you also need to understand what type of income you need to not only operate your business, but also to support yourself while living. How much in savings you might want to have, budget how long those savings can last you. Let's say if your business doesn't make any money for the first six months, got to make sure, do you have six months worth of living expenses? And budget that carefully to make sure it lasts six months. So budgeting for yourself and your personal livable wage and accounting for your business so you can keep track of revenue and expenses as well as marketing. These three skills I would recommend to start with first. So in addition to those three skills that I said, personal accounting, business accounting, and marketing, I also recommend to keep in touch with your past clients because you can get so caught up in just focusing on new clients or expanding your client base that you kind of forget about people that you used to work with. But one thing in business is that it's definitely easier to work with people who have already worked with you than trying to get new people. So even if, uh, let's say your contract with the previous client ended a few weeks ago or a couple months ago, don't be afraid to drop an email and say, hi, I just wanted to see how you're doing. I hope business is going well for you. I look forward to working together in future projects just so you can stay fresh in their mind for when another opportunity does appear, then they're thinking, oh yeah, I did hear from so-and-so not long ago. Let me go see if they're interested in this project. Thank you so much for your valuable insights and advice, Tanea. Now let's talk about the current startup landscape in South Korea. Can you give us your thoughts on what the startup trends in Korea might look like in the next five years? Additionally, how does Korea view foreign startups? Oh, I definitely think startup is still going to be huge in Korea, especially as they're getting bigger and bigger on the global landscape. Because Korea is becoming so globalized so rapidly, I do think that there's going to be a big market for global entrepreneurs to come in and especially share more of Korea with their home countries. So things such as import-export, I think that's always going to be huge in Korea, especially with K-fashion, K-beauty, all of the K-pop merchandise. I definitely think import-export is going to be here to stay. And then also, especially Seoul, they're pushing towards becoming a smart city. So anything that's related to, let's say, auto automated cars or taxis or, you know, like buses that can drive themselves, maybe even like telemedicine, things of that nature, that's starting to come up. 
And actually, there is a website that features the startup scene in Korea. It is called, let's see if I can find it. It's called Souls. So it's S-E-O-U-L-Z dot com. <laughs> so this is a online startup magazine written in English that you can check out to see what the current scene is looking like. So for example, I'm on here right now. They're talking about the rechargeable battery industry. They're talking about uh, innovative startups and showcasing the latest tech trends. There's even something about a video dating app. <laughs> so definitely check out that online magazine to see what's currently happening in the startup and the tech scene space out here. Amazing. It's always so exciting to hear about all the global trends happening in the world. Finally, as a successful businesswoman yourself, do you have any last words of advice for young women who are interested in starting a business or perhaps pursuing a career in the tech industry? What would be your advice for them as they take the first baby steps on their business journey? I would say, don't be afraid to try. Don't be afraid to apply. Um, here's a secret I learned in life. And this is probably going to be the one true secret shortcut in life that no one's ever going to tell you. So are you ready? Here it is. It is to put in 10% effort and then you can get 90% reward. Now I'm not saying to purposely only put 10% into effort. Like don't, don't put 10% into your effort on homework and then blame me later. But if it's a new opportunity that you're unsure about honestly just giving it a shot you'd be surprised how many times you will be told yes I mean literally that 10% of effort of you even applying can turn into a yes and then that that's the other 90% that you needed wherever you see an opportunity don't be afraid to grab it because you're going to be in an environment where other people are also afraid to grab it. So if you're all equally afraid to grab it, go ahead and grab it first. Everyone else is scared. So go ahead and take that 10% of effort to just stick your hand out, yoink, it's mine now. Take it and run. Because we're, we live in such a passive environment where people don't want to take action, which is why this shortcut works. Your 10% of effort is 100% more than what the next person is doing because they're not doing anything. So you don't have to go in thinking that you need to be perfect, that you need to already be at 100%. You coming in already at 10%, a lot of people will appreciate that you even showed up at all. So that is my number one key trick and advice to how I've even gotten this far in life. Because honestly, if you could see how I've just danced between the raindrops, it makes no sense how I even got here. But it's because I took a shot, put my foot out there, you know, dipped, dipped my toe into the pool. And I saw, oh, hey, the pool's actually a little warm. Let's go ahead and take a dip. And next thing you know, I'm swimming. Well, other people are saying... That's not fair. I want to go for a swim too. Oh, well, I got in the water. You didn't. So <laughs> that's one big tip that I have for all you guys. Don't be afraid to dip your toe in and go swimming if the water seems fine. That's such an amazing advice. Thank you so much for your support. And thank you so much for such a great advice. And 
your story will inspire every woman even if they're not founders they will inspire everyone to their journey of financial freedom and career success thank you for being part of our journey thank you for inspiring young women from over 16 countries now we have listeners from 16 countries thank you for inspiring everyone including me i'm very happy that we had this kind of conversation thank you so much for having me you guys can do it you ladies can do it i believe in you if nobody else does know that miss clark from brown beauty abroad believes in you The information presented on the podcast or available on our website is for entertainment use only and is not intended for financial or investment advice. Make sure to consult with your own financial professional when making decisions regarding your financial or investment options. That's all for this episode of MS Finance Podcast. We hope you learned something new and found the discussion helpful in your journey to financial freedom and career success. Please don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platforms and leave us a review on your podcast player. Until next time, please keep empowering yourself and your finances. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you in the next episode. Have a great day.